going to preach today and next week. So y'all give it up for Jeremy B.R. Come on, man, God. We don't think Mitchell's a little taller than me, so we preach in different spots. Yeah, that's great. What's up, guys? I'm excited. How many of y'all feel uh, at least 10% nervous when Mitchell said the sermon topic is authority? Is anyone like, ooh, I don't like that? Well, cool. I don't feel nervous either, so that's great. Um, yeah, I'm thankful to be here. I'm excited to talk about this. It is near to my heart. Uh, but before we go there... Uh, y'all, August is here. It's in the air. I don't know if y'all can tell yet. We do have like half of our church in Dallas for a wedding, so you know maybe you don't feel it yet. But the reality is, we're starting to get settled into some rhythms. We're not traveling as much. Like the semester is about to kick off. It's happening, and before you know it, it'll be my birthday. I'm thinking wings at Foghorn, so let me know if you want to come. Um, but um, I do want to take two weeks before we get into the full swing of the semester uh, to share with you guys. So you're stuck with me two weeks in a row. Okay. And here's why I want to talk about this topic is because I've observed, and you've probably observed, just our shifting cultural landscape. And something that we're passionate about, or we see people passionate about in our nation, is justice. Can you all nod if you've observed some passion for justice? Okay, cool. We don't really like the status quo. We're not content anymore just settling for that. If status quo is some code word for like corruption and oppression, you know, that's not a status quo we should just accept. And so when it comes to exposing evil and establishing justice, I've also noticed that usually there's one place we look to first, and that is authority. The CEO of the company, the pastor of the church, the president of the nation, the policymaker that wrote the law, the company that lobbied the policymaker, the company that funded the research that the decision maker based it off of, the person that wrote the history book their way, the policeman that used the force. We look to the authority, we look to answers from those that are in charge to explain to us and to justify themselves the injustices that we see. And sometimes those people, those authorities, are actually the very like reason the injustice exists. Maybe they caused it themselves for their own benefit. So we live in a broken world. You didn't need me to convince you of that. And our culture is looking to the authority to do something about it. Does any of this sound familiar? Okay, cool. Now, I want to give you two disclaimers off the bat before we get into this topic. The first is that authority is not just someone else. It is also probably applicable to all of us or most of us. There's probably some way that you are also in authority in some role in some place. Secondly, injustice is not just someone else's fault. It's not just someone else's fault. We've all sinned, right? We, and that means we've all caused harm. We have all perpetuated evil. We have all been the injustice in the world, maybe not as immensely as someone else. And if you want to compare your injustices to someone else and try to stack up who's the least unjust person, 
you could do that, but the point is there's a shared responsibility even as it relates to injustice. But what I want to talk to you all about is authority. What is authority? What's expected of authorities? What can we expect from our authorities? What does God expect? What does he hold authorities accountable to? What's our response to authority figures? How does that change based on if they love God or not? Or whether they're a spiritual authority or a more secular earthly authority? And would the Bible answer any of those questions differently than the way that our culture would? So that's what we're going to go into this week today. We're going to talk mainly on like theology for authority. So I'm going to give you some homework. There's going to be plenty of slides that you should just take a picture of because there's going to be more verses than we have time to go into. We're going to make this case for what's our foundation, what's our framework for just authority, period. And what are some things the Bible clearly highlights as these are responsibilities of authority. Next week, we'll talk more about the dynamic of us responding to authority. What do we do? What do we do when we disagree with authority? How, what does the Bible say anything about that, you know? And again, is it different than our culture? And so I empower you guys, encourage you to take notes, um, to take pictures and verses, to study this out, because I think that if we understand authority well, one, we will probably be more effective members of society and be able to engage with the world more healthily, uh, but also we'll be able to engage in this justice conversation. The reality is this conversation is not going away, and it's like supposed to be the conversation we lead. We shouldn't run away from the issue of justice and injustice if we believe that God is a just God. We should actually be the ones pioneering this conversation and showing our world what does it look like to have this conversation. Does that make sense? Okay, so we're going to talk. We're going to talk this morning, guys. So what is authority? I have a really simple definition for you. It is the right to decide, direct, and enforce. Authority is the right to decide, direct, and enforce. Man, this happens every week where I don't uh, unscrew my water bottle before I get up here. Let me just do this real quick. Better. Now, where does that right come from? Does that right even really exist? Or is it just man-made? We'll go there, we'll get there. Okay, but first I'm gonna highlight ways that authority differs from other similar words like power and influence. I'm gonna start with power. Okay, so all authority is power, but not all power is authority. Let me explain it like this. In college, some friends and I, you know, we're young, strapping men. We're able-bodied. We have power to kill animals, for, for example, okay? And we also observed that our campus had a golf course that was infested with skunks. And so basically, we as modern-day Batman figured, let us use our power to serve the world. Let's go kill these skunks. We go at 11 p.m., our weapons of choice were a fence post and a tire iron. And we're just gonna run around and scream to scare the skunks, and as soon as we see one, just throw your stuff at it, try to nail it in the head, don't run right behind it, because you know what they can do, and then kill the skunk, okay? And we killed several skunks, 
thank you uh, is what we were told from the world. Just kidding. Uh, actually, we weren't caught, so that was great. But the, the point is, we did not have the authority to go kill a bunch of animals on campus, okay? That probably actually was illegal for multiple reasons. Uh, from the state, you probably just can't kill animals whenever you want to. The campus has its own government system, you know, but we did, we used our power, okay? We did have power to do that. Contrast that with a university policeman. Let's say you're an unarmed, overweight bike cop, okay? You do not have much power, seemingly, but apparently you do have the authority to find innocent, young freshmen for biking past a stop sign on a completely empty campus, okay? And could that have freshmen, could that freshman have run away from you, outdueled you in a bike race? He probably did have the power to do that, okay? But the nature of your authority, not only do you have authority, but it also gives you power because your authority doesn't just represent your own power. You represent the power of the entire organization that your authority represents. And so had I tried to avoid this bike cop, it's quite possible that I would have dealt with a more powerful authority figure than our local government hired. Okay, so influence. All authority is influence, but not all influence is authority. In high school, I had a best friend. He's still a best friend. He's a super genius. He took BC calculus as a freshman, really smart guy. He was tutoring high schoolers as a middle schooler. And he went on to Princeton, studied math at Princeton, went on to Duke, just got his PhD in math at Duke. Super smart, but not just nerdy. He's also really well informed, like culturally, politically, um, even like theologically, like, had written several Bible studies and read through the Bible several times as a high schooler, which was impressive to all of us. And he was just your go-to person for information. Anything you needed, a, a well-formulated opinion, he had the answer. And he was also super humble, so just really great character, son of a pastor, just great family. We like this guy. Anytime he speaks, there's influence in what he says because he knows what he's talking about. He's usually the smartest person in the room. And that included the teachers, right? But what was he not? A teacher. And I said, he was a great guy, so he didn't try to uh, act like the teacher. But if you contrast that with a teacher, the teacher might not have, their degree might be in fashion design. They might not know, I'm not knocking fashion design, I'm just saying, if you're not teaching about fashion design, you might not uh, have a ton of natural influence to talk about, say, government. Uh, you might just sit behind your desk, hand out a textbook, and actually not even care whether the students learn it at all, you're just there collecting a paycheck. And because the students know you don't care, they might not respect your authority whatsoever. And so they just do whatever they want, no matter what you do or say, no one listens to you. And so you're just constantly sending people to the principal hoping that they do something there, you know? See, you don't seemingly have a lot of influence compared to my friend who actually has a passion for educating people. But you have authority to teach your classroom. And you're the only one in the room that can say that. And so it comes with a unique level of influence 
whether the students like it or not. You affect that room more than any other person in that room can affect it. You all see the differences between authority, power, and influence. I'm not trying to diminish power or influence. They're also important. We should steward them well, biblically. They're gifts from God. But authority is not synonymous with them. And actually, authority is weightier than either power or influence. So given the weight that comes with authority, how do we get it? What determines whether someone has the right to decide and direct and enforce? Where does authority come from? Does anyone know the Sunday school answer? Jesus. Authority does actually come from Jesus. Matthew 28, 18, right before some of our favorite lines, Jesus says, all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Let that sink in for a second. He is the one who has all the authority. Like, all authority <laughs> in heaven, in earth, it all belongs to him. So no authority exists apart from Jesus's authority. No authority exists. There might be powers that exist. No authority exists apart from Jesus's authority. I would even say no authority exists except for Jesus's authority. If all authority belongs to him, then he is all authority. He's the authority of authorities. Okay, now follow with me here. Because if all authority belongs to Jesus, wouldn't it be the case, like wouldn't it be God's design, his intention for all of us to respond directly to Jesus as our authority? In God's perfect world, wouldn't that be the way it is? We just respond to Jesus, Jesus is the authority. Wouldn't heaven be that way? Or in other words, when it comes to human authority, like, best case scenario, wouldn't it be God's temporary solution to a problem Jesus ultimately wants to fill himself? Or worst case scenario, would it be, actually, this is just man-invented, self-serving power struggle? The answer to all of those questions is actually no. Human authority is God's idea. It's not man's idea. And in God's perfect world, human authority would exist. Colossians 1.16 says this about Jesus. It says, For by him all things were created, both in the heavens and on earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or dominions or rulers or authorities, all things have been created through him and for him. Okay, did y'all catch that? All authorities. Who created them? Jesus. <laughs> Why? For who? For him. All authorities, right? In, in heaven and on earth, right? I'm reading this right, right? All authority on earth created by Jesus. Here's the thing. Not only is human authority God's idea, it's also an eternal idea. So this is one of those slides you don't want to take a picture of. But human authority is actually an eternal reality. How do I know this? Well, a little bit of deductive thinking here. So we know that there will be a heavenly government. Okay, that seems to imply there's 
like roles, right? There's there's a government. It's not an anarchy. It's a government. So there's a leadership structure, not just a heavenly leader. There's a heavenly government. Okay. We also know that people of God will have positional rights to rule and reign and judge. In First Corinthians, Paul says, "Do you not know that we will judge angels and saints?" It's like common knowledge for him. It's like, don't you know we're going to judge things? Not like judge, like condemn, like, did you see what that angel was wearing today? Like, not that type of judge, but like to decide, to determine whether someone's in the right or the wrong, to enforce something about the way the heavenly government works. Yes, there will be people that do that. And not every position is the same. We don't know exactly how all of the heavenly government shakes out okay so don't get too nervous right now but we know for example that there will be someone sitting at the left and right hand of jesus jesus says we don't know who it is the father has prepared this for someone the disciples asked if they could be well it's like james and john i think and they got rebuked for asking for that role for that position we also know there are 24 elders we don't know a ton about them but it seems pretty clear they are people. Uh, we also know that Jesus says the disciple, he's talking to disciples, and he's like, you're going to get to reign over each of the 12 tribes of Israel. And in Luke 19, this is parable of the minus, similar to the parable of the talents. It talks about the master giving things to his people, and then he leaves and he comes back. And Jesus says this parable is about, it's like the return of Jesus. It's about the kingdom of God and talking about what the return of Jesus will be like and the reward for these different people based on how they stewarded what they were given was cities. Oh, wow. You turned those, your minus turned from five to ten. Here, ten cities, you know, that you will govern. And so, again, I'm not claiming to know all the intricacies, okay, of the heavenly government, but the point is, we know without a doubt, for sure, there will be people in heaven that get to decide things and do things, not because they themselves carry that authority, but because Jesus has created that role and decided to give that role his authority. Similar to just anyone working at anywhere, or me, like working at Antioch, Northwest Arkansas. I am the director of finance, but you know who has the authority to fire me, Mitchell? <laughs> so I do have authority, but also my authority is associated with someone else's authority. Mitchell's authority is also associated with other people's authority. And so similarly, God is the owner of all authority, but he entrusts his authority to people. I know this is kind of heady, but this is actually important because if we think that human authority like is just on earth and it's not eternal then we will not interact with authority and we will not create a culture of justice like god would intend but if it's got its intention for human authorities to exist that becomes a framework that we have to operate within to understand how do we see justice then and so if we have authority um, from god that he gives uh, what are some examples of that? I'm going to talk about an easy example of us as, a, as believers. There are actually uh, some examples that Jesus gives us as believers, his authority.
authority. I'm gonna slide for this one too. Authorities of believers. You have authority, not just the ability. You might not have the gifting, you might not be good at it, but you have permission, you have legal rights from Jesus to do these, to direct, to enforce, to decide things as it relates to making disciples, baptizing people, teaching people to obey Jesus, to be Christ's ambassadors, to operate his ministry of reconciliation, to bind and loose things on earth and heaven. If anyone want to tell me exactly what that means, I'll be at the connect booth after the service, and to overcome all the power of the enemy. No one can do anything that, like, no one can take these authorities away from you. Jesus has given them to each of you. They don't come from anywhere else but him directly. And this, this is cool, guys. To overcome all the power of the enemy. Like, the enemy, he can tempt you. He might have power to do other random things, but he does not have permission to rule you. He does not have authority over you. He can't decide anything for you. He cannot direct you. And he cannot enforce anything upon you. And not only does he lack that authority over you, you have that authority over him. You get to take his place and take it. <laughs> like, like the gates of hell. We get to go into the dominion of darkness. We get to overcome the rule and reign that supposedly the devil has because we have authority over him. Back to my message though, because it's not just believers that have authorities in these different ways. Jesus also has entrusted certain authorities, certain things, certain types of roles. We know for sure they have authority. Permitted, delegated, entrusted by Jesus himself. Romans 13, 1 says it like this. There is no authority except that which God has established. The authorities that exist have been established by God. Okay, I'm pretty sure I'm reading this one right too. No authority exists except what God has established. And it's talking about earthly authority here. So we know that there are authorities on earth that God established. We're going to find out which ones those are in a second here. But let me pause because that doesn't mean every authority that God established is in God's will. It doesn't mean they're using their authority how God would want them to. So we don't have to even agree with everything an authority does. And the authority will give an account for what they do. It doesn't mean they're doing a good job. But there might be authorities that God has established. And here are a few that we know for sure. Authorities are established by God. For example, fathers and mothers over their household, pastors and elders over their church, governments over their jurisdiction, and human institutions over their institutions. So think about like businesses or schools or any organized human group that has a clear authority structure that has that they have set in place. That too is a human authority. We know that these for sure are authorities that God has established. For example, in 
in the fathers and mothers, there are a lot of examples where fathers and mothers are told to direct the affairs of their household and are held responsible for what goes on in their household, including and even especially their children. We know for sure. Now, a parent could be, uh, maybe you believe in discipline, maybe you don't. If you don't discipline your kid, guess whose authority it is to decide that? You, as the parent. You cannot be a flat enough organization to nullify the existence of authority. There is still authority. You might be a father that created a child and then left. You were never even a part of your home. And maybe you had a son, and that son grew up feeling like he had to be the dad. He might have done all of the responsibilities that normally that authority figure would have to do. But he is not there for the dad. It's not the same thing. There's an actual authority that has already been set in place. It's already been communicated by God in Scripture, set up by God. This is his design, right? Pastors and elders over their church. In 1 Peter, they're called shepherds of the flock that are in their care. And then he says, don't lord it over them. Don't lord it over those entrusted to you. So that, like, there's an inherent authority here that shouldn't be lorded over, which means it's not just, like, someone that's up there to talk. It's like, oh, there are people that God has entrusted to people that he calls, like, shepherds. And in Hebrews 13, it says they will give an account for those that they cover. Governments, um, Romans 13 is like really great to, to read about this, but even in Matthew 22, Jesus says, pay to Caesar what is Caesar's. Like Jesus isn't trying, like he acknowledges Caesar's jurisdiction over his area, even though they had their own authority structure that was different than that authority structure. And human institutions. First Peter 2 says, Submit yourselves for the Lord's sake to every human institution. Every human institution. So these are roles that God invented. So we know every parent, every church leader, every government official, every single CEO, every single teacher. These are all authorities that come from God. Even if the person in that role doesn't acknowledge God, it's similar to like money. I could I talked uh, maybe last fall or maybe two falls ago about money and all the wealth of the world is God's and He entrusts wealth to people. Do we think that 100% of people in the world right now are submitted to the Lordship of Jesus? No, we actually as a church do not believe that. <laughs> we need uh, some more revival, some more evangelization there, but. It doesn't change the fact that, okay, this wealth that you don't think belongs to God, it actually does belong to God. So this person and this authority, you might not realize your authority comes from God, but it does. And I know that, and so I need uh, to understand how my role should look in light of the fact that your authority is God's authority. Now, why would God give his authority to people who don't fear him? I'm actually not going to get into that. Um, but be encouraged because in heaven all authorities will fear him it is not right for an authority to not acknowledge Jesus the point is there are authorities that we know for sure God has established 
Now, could he also give authority to you specifically? Could he give you an authority or a family or a nation or a church? He could definitely do that. But he won't delegate an authority that he's already entrusted to someone else. He will not tell you right now, hey, starting today, you're the leader of this church because I said so. It's like, he, I guarantee you, he will not because Mitch was the leader of this church. He might tell you, hey, you're going to be the successor of this church, and so I need you to be ready. Now, that would still be an interesting thing to think that he said, but that would be different than I right now am the authority because we know for sure Mitchell is the authority, right? Um, I know that for sure. Uh, it's similar with your household or your nation or whatever. All right. It's similar to like the word of God. Like, can, can God speak to us directly? Can we know something that he wants us to do because we heard him say it intuitively? Yes. And we know that because the Bible says that he speaks to us. But he won't say anything that literally contradicts scripture because he's already said that. And so... There might be authorities he's speaking to you directly, but we need to make sure at the very least that we're aligning with and understanding the authorities that he's already made clear that he's established, which includes every single authority on the planet. It is all established by God. Okay, but here's the part you really care about. What can we hold authority to? What does God expect of authority? Let me pause. If you've learned anything at all so far can you give me just one little clap real quick uh, thank you thank you thank you hey i appreciate, I appreciate that right i said i try to tell you little heady right it's a lot it's a lot but it's good it's important for us so what can we hold authorities to if it's god's idea to establish human authority and human authority will continue to exist even in heaven what do we know it has to be good. There has to be a way for it to be good. There has to be. Because God is good. And everything he does is good. And his ideas are good. And his plans are good. And so what is God's expectation for authority? Before I get into that, let me share a couple things that aren't necessarily God's expectation for authority. Authorities, these aren't bad things. But they're not held accountable by God to do these things. Some of these things might help them build trust. It might help them lead better. But they are not responsible for doing these things. For example, uh, having your same personality type. Or having the personality type that you want them to have. Liking the same things that you like. Uh, they're not responsible for agreement. Like they don't have to lead and decide, direct, and enforce in a way that you approve of. Uh, they're not responsible for fairness. There's actually a lot of parables where Jesus is communicating and he's saying this is what God's like and then something really unfair happens. And then he's like, look at the people like, so? You want to be a part of that? Like he offends us with his seeming unfairness sometimes because he has a, a waiting system that is different than necessarily how we might think ourselves. Uh, authorities are also not responsible for collaboration. It is wise, but they do not have to ask you what you think. They like, they don't have to do that. You know, like, I don't know how to say that. It's not your right to be collaborating.
collaborated with, to give input, to be known. It's not your right, necessarily. Also, finally, perfection. Authorities are not responsible to be perfect. It's not their job to make sure you never, ever make a mistake. But what are they responsible for? There are some things they're responsible for, and different roles have different responsibilities. So let me just share two responsibilities that every authority, every human authority, whether they acknowledge God or not, whether they're authority in the church or a secular organization, what are two things every authority is responsible for by God? The first is to be an above reproach example. In other words, integrity. Every authority should be the premier role model of the values that their authority represents. It is wrong for a pastor to be living in hidden sin. Not just because they're sinning, but also because they represent Jesus. They represent like his leadership in the church. It's wrong for a government official to break or manipulate laws in their favor. Even if they could do it in a way that is legal, that is wrong. It's wrong for a parent to expect purity and health from their kid, but refuse all boundary lines for themselves in terms of media and eating. Why is that wrong? Because they're not an above reproach example, and every authority is called to be an above reproach example. They're called by God to demonstrate with excellence the values that their household or their church or their government or their institution represents. And anything less is not okay. The second common denominator is love. And band, you guys can come on up. Love means being a servant, prioritizing others' needs above yourself. Love means making extraordinary sacrifices for the sake of others. How do we know that Jesus loves us? Because he died for us. Love means having compassion for those without healthy authority. Jesus wasn't mad at people that were acting like independent rebels. He was moved with compassion. But he said, man, they're like sheep without a shepherd. And it means having forgiveness for those who misunderstand your authority. So it is wrong for CEOs to discriminate against someone based on their gender or their skin color, because that is not love. It is wrong for police to use violence as some type of narcissistic, oppressive power play. That is not love. It's wrong for the wealthiest people in the world to profit if it's at the expense of their own employees' well-being and with no regard whatsoever for the two billion people that today live in extreme poverty. That does not communicate a love, a care. So we began this message talking about our cultural landscape and its craving to expose injustice and hold authorities accountable. And how does our culture generally go about that? That accountability. Cancel him. Fire him. Put him in jail. There's no justice until these bad things happen to this authority. And that's all fine. I'm not even going to fight that. My question, though, is who's going to replace him? 
We can fire every unjust authority under the sun, but will we find enough just authorities to take their place? Personally, I don't feel super confident. When I look around me just in society, I'm not like, man, above reproach, love. That's like what I, that's the vibe I get from you, right? I don't get that. I get blurred, unclear boundary lines, selfishness. The only way I see we have a chance at authority being good, human authority being the way God intended it to be, is if at the very least, we are ready for authority. It's if the people of God are prepared, are qualified to lead. And that's where I'm wanting us to kind of respond this morning. It's been, am I ready? Like, if God asked you to be president, could you be ready? Like today, you know? Like, could you lead our nation exceedingly above reproach? A model citizen. Could you love our nation by serving and sacrificing excruciatingly for the good of a few hundred million people? When hundreds of millions of people from around the world will vilify you in the process and you won't get anything out of it for yourself. Could you do that? Could you do that for Walmart? If they called you today, we want you to be CEO. Are you prepared? Could you do that for a church? Could you do that for a household? Is what's in you communicating above reproach, example, and love? We know these. I referenced this parable of the minus where people are rewarded for what they did. And what's interesting is they didn't know when the master would come back. They didn't know when their time would be. And a lot of us maybe are waiting for our time to have authority, waiting for our time to get that promotion, or waiting for our time for whatever we think that time is. But what I see biblically is you won't, like, you won't get that, that integrity, that above approach example and that love, like that time won't be what gives that to you. That time will be what sees that in you. In other words, you need that first. You need to be living like you would live in authority if you're ever gonna be promoted in authority. But we have to do that because we need to be in authority. I'm pretty sure. I'm pretty sure it's going to be the people of God that can demonstrate this. It's not easy. The more authority you're given, the more that's expected from you. But this isn't like... This isn't about you. Like, God created this, this structure for how the world will operate. And I believe that you are some of the most qualified people in the world to meet the needs that God has established. This isn't like self-seeking, ladder climbing, look at my LinkedIn, like look at my whatever success, craving, authority, let me get my sense of self-worth, but look how important I am, look how many people report to me. Like That's not what I'm talking about at all. Those are the people that are not just authorities. I'm actually talking about the opposite of that. I'm saying the people of God, 
we could actually be just willing authorities. Not needing the position for our own sake, not looking for anything in return. I'm actually just willing to be used in whatever capacity God wants to use me. And what if he could use me in a capacity that would be to the benefit of the whole world that's full of people that he made in his own image? It would be easier for your life to not have any authority whatsoever. But would you be willing to love and to live above reproach if it meant more glory to God, if it meant more justice in the earth and less evil? And so perhaps some of us are already authorities over your home or within your life group or maybe just specific tasks or areas of authority in your workplace. How are you stewarding the authority that God has entrusted to you? How are you stewarding the authority he's entrusted to you? Remember, he's the one that gives authority and he can set you among kings today. But are we prepared? Are we qualified? Are we ready? So as we go into worship, I think for many of us, he wants us to, to develop our character, to think on this question of, Oh man, if, if I was the president today, what, would I be playing catch up in terms of my love and my model that I set, the example that I live? So I want us to process that. And I think for others of us, there's an opportunity to kind of get some freedom from a prideful, a very American individualism that refuses to acknowledge authority. Maybe you refuse to acknowledge God's direct authority. You think you just do whatever you want. I think for more of us, it's probably that you refuse to acknowledge God's delegated authority. As in, God can tell me what to do, but no one else can tell me what to do. So actually, God's given the rights to different people in different roles to tell you what to do in different settings. Again, we'll talk next week about what do you do with that how do you respond? I'm not trying to uh, like whitewash authority figures, but the authority is real. And so can we get free from anything in us that would try to oppose or subvert or reject authority? So I'm gonna pray and we're gonna get into worship and we'll close it out here in a minute. So Jesus, I thank you that all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to you. You are the authority, and what you do is good. And so God, if you delegate your authority to people, if you set people as a covering, as a shepherd, as responsible for others, would you show us how to make it good? And God, we want a nation that is just. We want a society, a neighborhood, a household that looks like you.